Well, as John said, we're starting off a new series. I'm excited about it because I like um, asking questions. I like studying the Bible. I like getting into some kind of the gritty details and some kind of the hard questions. And uh, they can be a little scary sometimes, but I think they're good. I think they make us think. So we're doing this series, Your Questions and His Answers. And what we mean by His Answers is we're going to look to the Bible every week first for what God says about these questions and then we'll talk about what are some other evidence as well. But we're going to look to the Bible for, for his answers. So why are we using questions um, as sermons? And Sharon kind of touched on this in her prayer. As a rabbi, Jesus taught with questions. And he actually asked hundreds of questions in the Gospels, but only answered a handful. Questions then make us think. They make us study. They make us debate. And they help us to learn. And they help us to better understand the Bible when we ask questions and ourselves. Now, I know many of you are um, serving in the church. You're serving in the community. We have people down the hallways this morning teaching Sunday school. And all of us, wherever we are, wherever we're serving or wherever we're living, we need confidence, I believe, in the Bible to understand it and to believe it so that we can live more full lives with Jesus Christ. And I wholeheartedly believe Um, As Christians, and here at ZPC, we believe in something, the Bible, that is true, and we believe in someone who is the truth. And that's what we're going to get at um, today. So we ask these questions, is the Bible reliable? You know, if you ask that question, if you're reading blogs, if you're watching some of the, the world news, if you're just out in the world... A lot of people ask that question, and and you may start to wonder, is the Bible reliable? Um, Dr. D. James Kennedy tells this story. A Sunday school teacher asked, what is faith? And the 10-year-old in his Sunday school class had this answer. Faith is believing something you know is not true. Believing in something you know is not true. Well, as Christians, I think sometimes we think Or some Christians think it takes a grand leap of faith to believe in the Bible because it it really may not be true. We're not sure about that. And yet I believe that Christianity is a reasonable faith which we can study and believe in. Josh McDowell, a writer and author, says Christians are not to park their brains at the church door, but we are used to our brains to question and to study. And when we do, we find that the Bible is absolutely true reliable. So let's look at today's passage. This is from uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 21. There's lots of different passages. Uh, the Bible talks about itself in, in, uh, in uh, what it means. I think this is a great one, right near the end of the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. Here's what Peter says about Scripture. This is God's word. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as though they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for reading your word today. We thank you for sending it. Lord, we admit sometimes we have hard questions. And so, God, we ask that you help us uh, to answer those questions through the scripture and through your revelation to us. And so, God, speak to us again today through your scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at some reasons why the Bible is reliable coming from this passage and then looking at some other evidence as well. And so here's some ideas. First of all, scholars say it's the most trustworthy of any ancient literatures. And and a lot of scholars will say this. We're going to look at that more in a minute. Um, We can trust the Bible in its continuity, its circulation, and its survival. We can trust the Bible through archaeology, through its actual authors, especially in the New Testament, and through lots of other evidence. So we're going to take a look at all those. And I will tell you, Uh, Some of the details that I'm going to use, some of the evidence I'm going to use is uh, categorized, captured here in this Destined book. So we were talking about one-to-one discipleship today, and in the back of this book, they have a great article about the validity and the reliability of the Bible. Well, first of all, you might say, well, there, there don't exist the original manuscripts of the Bible. We don't have those actual first documents that were written, but what we do have gives us great confidence in the Bible. Because there are over 5,000 manuscript copies of the New Testament in its original Greek. Over 5,000 or portions of 5,000 manuscript copies. Now, if you look to other ancient books, things like maybe by Aristotle or Homer, sometimes there's only 5 to 10 copies of those, of those um, very early manuscripts. And when were those manuscripts found, especially in the New Testament? The first manuscripts of the Gospel of John were found within 30 to 35 years after its writing. And we have a full, complete New Testament, which exists from 350 A.D. Now, that may sound like a long time, but it's less than 300 years after those letters and books were first written. Again, other ancient books uh, from the Greeks and the Romans, the earliest copies from when those books were originally written, the earliest copies were found 1,000 to 2,000 years after they were written. And we have a full New Testament less than 300 years after it was originally written. The director of the British Museum, a gentleman named Sir Frederick Kenyon, says, the dates between the original composition and the earliest evidence of the New Testament is so small that it is, in fact, negligible. The authenticity and the integrity of the New Testament is established. He says it is trustworthy. This is a scholar who says we can trust it uh, because of the way the manuscripts were maintained and how early they were when we go back and look at the manuscripts of the Bible. What about in its continuity? We use that word as well, in its continuity. In the continuity, the Bible shows its reliability. The Bible was written over 1,500 years, so from the time when Moses, or people along with Moses, wrote down the first five books to the New Testament, 1,500 years of writing with 40 authors on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, thousands of prophecies, 
thousands of people it talks about with one main message, that God loves us, that God loves humans from the very first humans, from Adam and Eve, that God loves us and has a plan for our lives and even has a plan for the next life as well. So there's one continuous theme, and we're gonna touch more on that in a minute, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, that God loves us. So despite the variety of authors over the time, everything else, the different languages, the theme is that God loves us and cares about us, and that's what we need to know. So there's a continuity to the Bible. How about its circulation? The circulation of the Bible um, shows how unique it is as well. You probably would guess that the Bible is read by more people and in more languages than any other book or any other literature that has ever been written down. But you may not know this, by 1993, 20 years ago, it was reported that 2,062 languages had access to at least one book of the Bible. 2,062 languages. I didn't even know there were that many languages. But the Bible's been translated into that many languages, at least part of the Bible. So its circulation um, shows the uniqueness of the Bible and the hunger that people in all cultures have to read this book. They have a hunger to want to know what's in it when they hear about it. What about its survival? I think the survival of the Bible shows its authenticity and the fact that it's reliable as well. The original Bible was written on uh, papyrus and parchment, and especially in the Old Testament, it was hand-copied. So a lot of critics would say, well, I'm sure there was lots of errors, the people copying the Bible, they changed what they want to change, they made, you know, editor kind of changes and comments in there. Well, actually, when we go back and study, there was a tremendous oral history of the Jewish community where they memorized large portions of the Bible, if not the whole Old Testament at that time. And there was a group of, uh, there was actually a Jewish method of Masora, of counting, where special classes of men were assigned to preserve and transmit the document from generation to generation, or the documents. And this counting, they kept tabs and counted every letter, every syllable, every word, every paragraph. They, they treated um, their Bible, their scripture, the Old Testament, then even into the New Testament, much more delicately, uh, with much more honor than we treat books today. They were very careful of how they treated the word and kept it the way um, it was. In fact, there's only a handful of lines or phrases in the Bible that are really disputed or wondered about because the, this, the copies that you have today, when we look at our Bibles today, they go back, they match incredibly closely with the original manuscripts that scholars have found from those early, early dates. Well, what about archaeology? So the Bible's, you know, full of dates and places, um, you know, kings and people that weren't kings, you know, all kinds of people and all kinds of dates where people could go back and check this. And critics could say, well, I found this and this and this, or archaeologists could say, we found this and this and this. This doesn't match up with the Bible. Archaeology tends to confirm um, what the Bible teaches. And here's, here's an example, um, Luke. We've talked about Luke this year. Luke was the, the writer of the Gospel of Luke as well as uh, the Acts of the Apostle. Luke says that he's a historian. He gives lots of dates and facts and details, which gives critics a chance to go back and try to prove him wrong. And so for a long time, 
Critics said that uh, Luke had a lot of details wrong. In fact, here's one example. When they went back and they looked at the birth of Jesus, as Luke tells it, they said there's no evidence that there was a census at the time of Jesus' birth. They said there's no evidence that there was a person named Quirinius who was the governor of Syria and that people did not have to travel to their hometowns um, to give birth. They said there's no evidence for this. Well, more recently, archaeology has found uh, that Romans even in that Middle East region, held a census every 14 years, that that was common, that census were found. Furthermore, there was an inscription found in Antioch, which is not too far from Israel, that in such a census, an ancient uh, inscription said that all residents should return to their governments for family registration, meaning they should go back to their towns to register their families, just as Joseph and Mary did and as Luke tells us. And another inscription was found also in Antioch, an ancient inscription that named Quirinius as the governor of Syria and even gave the dates from 7 BC to 6 AD. So critics were um, on Luke's case and Luke has been proven correct, at least in those details about Jesus' birth. So archeology, span the more they find, continues to confirm what is told to us um, in the Bible. Well, what about the authors? So we've looked at uh, continuity, circulation, survival, archaeology. What about the authors? Well, especially about the authors of the New Testament. You know, if we're Christians, if we follow Jesus, then we want to study about who Jesus is and if he's really real and if the things that he said are true. So we want to look at who wrote the New Testament. Who are the authors? Are they trustworthy? Well, the authors of the New Testament are reliable. In fact, they died, so many of them died for what they believed and what they wrote down. Uh, In today's passage, in 2 Peter, Peter says, these were not cleverly invented stories. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And Peter even alludes to the fact that he was up on the mount um, with Jesus um, when Jesus's clothes were brightened. And Peter was at a lot of those places where he had a front row seat to see the kind of things that Jesus did. And then Peter writes about him. And he says, these are not cleverly invented stories. We were eyewitnesses to these things that happened. So the authors of the New Testament, especially of the Gospels, are either the actual people who were there as eyewitnesses. They're not historians writing hundreds of years later, going back, trying to find details about Jesus' life. They were the actual eyewitnesses of Jesus' life or of the early church, or they were one person removed who were very close to the disciples. For example, Mark is the writer for Peter. Mark was a very, very close friend uh, of, uh, of Peter who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Luke was a follower of Paul in the earliest days of the church. And when we read the Gospel of Acts, you read Luke was there right along with Paul seeing these things and, and interacting with the early church. So Luke's there. And Matthew and John, who wrote the other Gospels, were eyewitnesses. They were disciples. What about Paul? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 about an early creed. And he wrote this only about 25 years. Scholars think only about 25 years after the time of Christ, which is really close. And they believe that he wrote this creed in 1 Corinthians 15, which most scholars think was probably a creed that was spoken within five years after the time of Christ. And they think, so the things that we read in the New Testament were very immediate to the time. They were written down then or very close after 
that time. Here's another thing I think that's helpful for um, us when we look at the authors of the New Testament. You, you might think, okay, if we're going to have a book about God, we're going to have a book about Jesus, these authors are going to write it in such a way to make themselves sound good. They're going to they're put some puff in it. They're going to pump it up and make it sound good. But the disciples and the New Testament authors include parts of the New Testament, especially, which make themselves look bad. Uh, they include Peter denying Christ. They include the disciples hiding during and after the crucifixion. They include two of the disciples competing who could sit, for who could sit at Jesus' right hand in heaven. And the book of Acts and Paul's letter to the churches spell out lots of times where the disciples argued or when the churches, those early churches, failed and needed to be corrected. Who would include such embarrassing detail about their lives unless it was true? Wouldn't they whitewash it and clean it up if they wanted to make a better story? Furthermore, and finally, about the authors, these disciples needed to tell the truth and what they wrote down because there were many people living at the time who could read what they wrote and dispute what they wrote if they wanted to. They needed to tell the truth because there could have been people right next to them to say, that wasn't true, I was there as well. So there's great evidence for the truth of the Bible. And here's a little bit about the New Testament and, and about that truth. The New Testament is reliable history. The New Testament presents Jesus as the Son of God. And Jesus, as the Son of God, teaches that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and Jesus affirms the Old Testament as well. And the Old Testament also points to who um, Jesus is as well. Peter says in today's passage, the short passage that we read, he's talking about the prophets. He says the prophetic messages are reliable. He says they're like a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and that the prophets of the Old Testament speak not for, them, not for themselves, but they speak from God. They didn't just write their own words. They were inspired by God. So you say, well, well the Old Testament, you know, we said that was written, um, this, this whole book was written over 1,500 years time. How can what's written in the Old Testament relate to the New Testament? How can it all work together? Well, there were a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament, and Peter refers to the prophets here. And there's many, many prophecies which were proven in the New Testament, especially in the person of Jesus, to be true and reliable. Here's a few of them. In Isaiah 7, it said that the coming Messiah would be born of a virgin. Jesus was born of a virgin. It's in Matthew 1. In Micah, Old Testament prophet says the Messiah would be born at Bethlehem. Jesus was born at Bethlehem. In Psalm 22, um, it prophesied that this Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced, and Jesus were. And also the same psalm, it says, amazingly, it says clothing would be divided and lots cast for clothing. That's what the soldiers did at the cross. That actually happened at the cross. And then it says in Psalm 34, that this Messiah, that his bones would not be broken. And on the cross, they said Jesus' bones were not broken, fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament. And there's many, many other prophecies from the Old Testament which are clearly fulfilled in the New Testament and especially in the person of Jesus. So the Bible is reliable. The Old Testament points to him. The New Testament is all about him. 
And Jesus himself, as the Son of God, affirms uh, the validity and the reliability of the Bible. What about some of the hard things in the Bible? What about some of the hard sayings in the Bible? What about some of the hard parts of the Bible that there are to understand? Um, There are hard things in the Bible, and I would tell you that there's some mystery in the Bible as well. Uh, There's lots of books written about the fact that there are places in the Bible that we don't fully understand. And when we don't, I, in my my years, have gotten more comfortable with some of the mystery in the Bible um, and why we don't understand it. And two reasons are what Paul says and what Peter says. Uh, Paul says in Corinthians that it's like now we're looking through a cloudy mirror or a cloudy window. He says, but one day we shall see face to face. One day we're going to know all the answers to the questions that we have. We're going to be able to see God face to face, and we're going to be able to understand the things we don't understand now. Peter says also, again in today's passage, he says, we have these prophetic messages as something reliable, as a light shining in a dark place. So the prophets were like a light shining on, on a dark place. Then he says this, until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. I think he's looking forward to the future until a day um, when we will better understand what the Bible says, what God means about certain things. And the morning star, Jesus, rises in our hearts. At some point, when we get to heaven with God, we're going to understand the hard parts that we don't understand now and the answers to the questions that we don't have answers to. What about apparent contradictions in the Bible? This is a pretty common critique of the Bible, that there are contradictions, especially as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John lay out in the Gospels. Mark Middleberg, who's an author and on staff at Willow Creek Church near Chicago, has a quote about that. He says, we should realize we are getting limited perspectives of the story, especially of the Gospels. We have an incomplete listing of the details of what the eyewitnesses wrote down or told someone to write down. In fact, he talks about the fact that each of them had their own eyewitness perspective. And if we were at a historical event and we all came upon it from different angles and someone asked us to tell back, tell back what you saw, tell me what you saw and write down what you saw at that historical event, each of us would have slightly nuanced differences of the things that we saw. Does it make any of them untrue? No. It makes it true from our perspective, just as there's truth from from all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as they wrote down what they saw or what they heard uh, from Peter or from others from their perspective. And so there are slight differences in the Gospels. Um, We also understand that oftentimes people are looking for contradictions um, to disprove the Bible. And as I was doing some research this week, I was reading that um, it, it may be common that people looking, are looking for contradictions. They're looking for reasons not to believe the Bible so that they don't have to live it or follow it. Here's a quote from uh, Mark Twain, from Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, it ain't, the bar- it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can under- can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. Say it again. It ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. So Mark Twain was even saying, it's the parts that I do read that are hard, that Jesus teaches us of how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to to live differently. Those are the hard parts to follow. So what are we to do? 
If we as Christians and we here at ZPC today, we say um, we don't have full proof that the Bible is what it says it is, that it is God's word, but we have evidence that helps us to believe to take a step of faith, not a leap of faith, but a step of faith to believe that the Bible is actually what it says it is based on all the things we've talked about, its authors, the evidence, the archaeology, its continuity, all the original manuscripts that we have, how scholars have studied it, how critics have tried to tear it down. We have evidence to take a step of faith to believe it is what it says it is. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I believe that the Bible is both um, reliable and relevant, and we are to read it and to live it. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You've probably heard these verses before. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does all that mean? There's a lot packed into those two short verses. And with help from the navigators, and this awesome information that's in this book, uh, this Destined for Security book, we can understand this. Our teaching, when the Bible teaches us, it shows you the path. The rebuking shows where you have gotten off the path. And sometimes we need that. We need to be rebuked to say, you know what? I've made a mistake. I've gone off the path. I need to get back on. The Bible is telling me that. Correcting shows you how to get back on the path. The training shows you how to stay on the path and then how to teach others about how to get on the path and stay on the path. And equipping, it says the Bible equips us for every good work. What does it mean that we are equipped? It means that we are not just to believe in the Bible, but to be equipped for work. And as we read it, as we study it, as we come to church on a Sunday morning, we look at the Bible together, as you go to a Bible study, as you study it in your own life, as you pray, you become more and more equipped to live it out in your own life. And I need to do that as well. So we need to react to the Bible with both our head and our heart. The Bible, I believe, is reliable and true. We can study it. We can look at it. You can do your own research. We need to understand it with our heads. But we cannot stop with our head knowledge in the Bible. The Bible is relevant. It is real for our lives. It has real meaning for our lives. And we need to believe the Bible with our hearts. So we should be inspired by not only what the Bible says is true, but by Jesus being the truth and that he speaks truth into our lives that then we are called to live out as best we can with his forgiveness and his help. Let's pray. Most loving God, we thank you for the Bible. God, it's not just, um, we believe it's not just a history book, a book of poetry or revelation or stories, but God, it is your true word. And God, we believe that it is there for us to learn, to study, um, to ask questions about, to even look at the hard parts, some of which we're gonna look at in the weeks ahead, some of those hard questions. But God, as we study, we ask that you help us, that our, our minds would be opened to understand it and then to believe it, but not only to believe it and let it, let it stay there, God. Give us the courage, God, and the heart to then to go out and live the things that you teach us in your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for this day, and we pray that you help us to live this day for you as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen.